This episode is dedicated to the memory of acclaimed Star Trek author Dave Gallanter, who passed away this weekend at the age of 51 from late-stage cholangiocarcinoma. Dave was the author of the Star Trek Discovery novel Dead Endless, as well as several other Star Trek titles. His story spoke to the very heart of Star Trek, just as his fandom did, and his losses felt deeply by Star Trek fans around the globe. We extend our deepest sympathies and condolences to Dave's wife, Samantha, and their family. He will be greatly missed by us all. May his memory live long and prosper. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for discovering Trek listeners. Fansets. Our pins have character. An empress returned, an empire to rule, and a plot to uncover. Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery continues to take us literally where no Star Trek show has gone before. Last week, we returned to Book's home planet to help him out with a little old problem called the Emerald Chain. But this week, what happens when Philippa Giorgio returns to her own ruthless universe, which makes the chain look like a bunch of little happy puppies? Well, let's find out. Welcome aboard, everyone. My name is Dan Davidson, and we are Discovering Trek. Welcome one and all to Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Universe Companion, presented by Fansets. Last week, the crew of the Discovery visited Book's home planet and encountered the leader of the Emerald Chain, Osira, while Dr. Culber looked for ways to help Philippa's condition. But what happens this week when the ship's evolving computer gives her the only possible way to avoid death by returning back in time to her own mirror universe? As always, this is the premiere podcast for the most in-depth discussion and analysis about the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery, entitled Terra Firma Part 1. And as Philippa returns to her own universe, we get an even closer look at just how evil and ruthless that universe is. And, wow, what a segue. Speaking of evil and ruthless, it's time to welcome a very special friend and person. If I were Emperor in the Mirror Universe, he would certainly be the one I would trust to be my head of security to protect me from the throngs of people wishing for my assassination. But then again, he may be my version of Paul Stamets just waiting to plunge a dagger into my throat. But I love him anyway. As always, he is my special friend, my brother in Trek, and my amazing number one. He is Bill Smith. And Bill, what a return to the Mirror Universe, my friend. Hail, Giorgio! Um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm here for it, man. It's, uh, it's interesting. I find this mirror universe sojourn a little more satisfying than the last one. Um, and we're only one episode in, so, uh, <laughs> I, what a great episode. I'm looking forward to talking about it. I, I'm, I'm what's mirror universe. So, you know, I'm like all excited and I've been like, like on cloud nine ever since <laughs> I watched the episode. It's fantastic. But you know why I'm also on cloud nine? Because you're talking to me. 
No, because we get to welcome back someone very special. That is, we welcome back Sarah to Discovering Trek to sit in the third chair at the table. Sarah, it's good to have you here. Um, and and Dan um, is, is happy you're here too. So, you know, we got 100% votes across the board. Well, you know, I just, what else am I going to do on a Sunday evening? I got to visit it with my favorite guys and talk some Trek. This is the best Aww. thing going on right now. Aww. Jeez, that's awesome. Well, you know... Great episode. Uh, we've been looking. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Um, we want to hear from our listeners though about their thoughts on everything Discovery and the return to my favorite mirror universe. So, Bill, how can they get in touch with us with their thoughts on Terra Firma Part? Uh. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. You know, it's amazing. Recently, there was a rumor about Star Wars filming in Boston, <laughs> and and it's like use the force, Luke. <laughs> and in this case, you're doing terra firma there, Bobby. Terra, terra firma. <laughs> Cut your nails. <laughs> if you're looking to get in touch with us, there are a whole bunch of ways you can let us know what you think about, especially about our horrible Boston accents. <laughs> of course, you can go to trekgeeks.com slash contact and find a veritable cornucopia of ways to get us your thoughts. And of course, on Twitter and Facebook, all you have to do is search for Discovering Trek. We welcome all of your questions and comments, even the ones that tell us how awesome Dan is. You can leave a voicemail by visiting our website at trekgeeks.com and click on the giant blue button on the right hand side. Please do remember though that any comments you leave us might be used in a future episode of Discovering Trek. Dan. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Black alert. Black alert. From here on in, folks. No, I'm just kidding. This episode of Discovering Trek contains spoilers. So if you haven't watched episode nine of Star Trek Discovery season three, stop listening right now. Head on over to CBS All Access or wherever you watch Discovery, watch the latest episode, then head back on over to Discovering Trek. Failure to do that puts you at risk to find out plot developments and character details for Terra Firma Part 1. <laughs> Episode 309 of Star Trek Discovery, Terra Firma, Part 1, is written by Bowie Kim and Erica Lippold and Alan McElroy, and directed by Omar Mata. The USS Discovery crew journeys to a mysterious planet in the hopes of finding a cure for Giorgio's deteriorating condition. Stamets and Adira make a stunning breakthrough with the newly acquired burn data. Originally released on December 10th, 2020, it is the ninth episode of Star Trek Discovery's third season. Trainees, to the briefing room. All right, Bill and Sarah, as always, we're going to gather in the briefing room to start our discussion on this week's episode, but let's first get high-level thoughts, thumbs up or thumbs down, and a quick reason as to why. Sarah, welcome I, back to the show. Thank what you. you got? I got a couple of Mirror Universe thumbs ups. Um, I don't know if in the Mirror Universe I have three thumbs. If I do, they're all going up. This was great. I loved it. I was so excited for all the nastiness and evil plotting taking place. That's it's what I deal with every week on Trek Geeks. I'm also going to give it a uh, a big time thumbs up. Anybody who knows me, what do you think I'm going to say? Thumbs down for a Mirror Universe episode and a Mirror Universe episode written by Erica and Bowie and everybody else involved. Just absolutely amazing. I loved it. Uh, Alan did a great job with the collaboration. Uh, so two thumbs up for me, Bill. Uh, I'm going to continue the trend. I'm back in the thumbs up way in a, in a big way with this episode. Uh, it's not, 
Um, it's not a, a secret that there are some mirror episodes I could just do without, mm-hmm. uh, because I'm not as big a mirror universe, universe fanboy as you are, Dan, but yep. this one is probably one of the most textured and deep mirror universe episodes we've seen in a long, long time. So definite th- two thumbs up for me. Excellent. So across the board, last week was a little bit of a disappointment. We had our first thumbs down of the year. Um, so it's great to see we're all back on board with thumbs up. And I'd like to figure out why Sarah in the mirror universe would have three thumbs. Not going to worry about it, though. It's still, <laughs> it's still good. Um, what I want to do first, though, this week is let's talk about the B story first, because it is very relevant to the arc of the season. It didn't have a lot to do in this episode. There was only a, a few minutes, really, I think, of, of this B story, but it's very important to what's going on overall. And, of course, that's that they um, have discovered <laughs> what the uh, ship in the center of that nebula is, Bill. They did, and uh, it looks like we have some Kelpians at the center of this drama. Now, whether or not they actually caused the burn, we don't yet know, but it's a definite interesting revelation that there's a KSF ship in that nebula. Um, and that message is about 150 years old, I think they said. Yeah, something like that. It's over a century. Um, last week during my long range scan, I said that I thought Discovery was in that nebula and that they caused the burn. So another strikeout for me. <clears throat> Everybody, uh, long range scans pretty much are terrible as they usually are. So I'm glad that I'm keeping the trend going, I guess. Um, <laughs> You're but- consistent. Consistency is a very good thing. But Sarah, here's my concern. We saw the 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 um the the message, uh the the looped message of the Kelpian uh talking about what was going on, and Saru was visibly moved by what he was seeing. And I'm a little concerned, I'm not gonna lie, that his judgment might start to be a little bit clouded because this is the first Kelpian he's seen since they jumped to the future. He found out that Kelpians were part of the Federation a few episodes ago. And the way that he reacted to seeing this Kelpian was a little a little concerning to me. I gotta lie. I, I'm not gonna lie. But then he also told Tilly not to tell the Admiral what was going on. And he used the excuse he wanted to make sure that there was relevant information to share. Do you think that he was that's the real reason or do you think there was more behind it because I think that he was so moved that he just right now doesn't know how to proceed. Okay, I'm so glad that you filled in so much because unlike the last time I was on this episode, I was so excited about the B story. I did not get a chance to pay attention to this at all. So the fact that you guys just kind of filled in some gaps really helped me. Thank you. Um, But I do recall the scene and I recall Saru, um, his reaction to it. I don't have concerns um, as you do because... Saru, time and again, has been placed into so many situations where he has every opportunity to do what he wants to do based on his experiences and his people, and he hasn't. Um, It's a little concerning, yes, that he wants to keep some information to himself, but I don't know. I want to... I... I have hopes that this is going to go the way we want it to go, and he's not going to make any big mistakes, but I could see the the temptation would be there. Yeah, and, and the reason that I have that concern, Bill, is because... We've seen him in situations before, especially since he became captain, and he has been right there um, to, to, to be right in the, in, in the right position, say the right things, give the speech to the crew, really be captain of Discovery. And he had hesitation in this scene. Um, I'm hoping it's just because of the shock of seeing Kelpian alive 
or at least part of that message from a century ago. Do you think there's anything we should be a little bit worried about with him, or do you think that it'll all pan out? I don't. I think it'll all pan out. Um, Saru is who he is. I mean, he's the captain of this ship now. It's a responsibility he takes quite seriously. He's performed admirably, you know, uh, to the point where he got promoted to the chair because he had earned it. And I think he's going to continue to earn it. I think he's justified in his response. You know, if all of a sudden you wind up in the future and to find that your people are members of the Federation and now potentially they may have played a role, however unwitting in the burn, I think he needs to wait until he has more information before he talks to Vance. Do you think that there might be any, um, I was going to say flashback, but that's not the right word. Um, do you think there's going to be any consequences for him telling Tilly, no, I don't want to tell the Admiral anything just yet? I don't think there will be, but that what that did pop up in the back of my mind. You know, Vance may say, why didn't you tell me this sooner? And Saru, all Saru has to say is, I didn't have all the information. Yeah. Uh, you know, you agree and- with that, Sarah? Yeah. That's a very government answer as somebody who works in government. Well, I didn't have all the answers at the time, so. And and it gives Saru plausible deniability, right? Because he doesn't have all the information. He could go off and and tell Vance exactly what he knows, but what's Vance going to say? I need more data. And he wouldn't be wrong. Yeah. That's true. This could be everything and it could be nothing. Right. That's a good way to look at it. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with that that aspect of, of the ship. He wants to see what's going on in there, and it, it of course, does play a very pivotal role in the series, uh, in the season. But let's get to the meat of this episode, because Mirror Universe, baby. <laughs> I'm very excited. I will say one thing. Before we got to the Mirror Universe, Kovitch was talking about Giorgio's condition, and I got to say, I don't often pat myself on the back, but last week, I said that Giorgio's molecular structure was screwed up because she's from a different universe and in the future, and bing, bang, boom, that's exactly what is going on. So I was very excited. I may have gotten the Discovery ship wrong, Bill, but I didn't get this wrong. Let's be honest. You read that on 4chan? (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, I'm really growing to like this character of, of Kovic. His revelation that the... Romulan mining ship, which was the cause of the Kelvin timelines in the movies, and that people have jumped from that universe to the one that we know as a prime, was a very interesting revelation, Bill, because we've always talked about it being an alternate timeline and not a mirror universe, but it seems that it doesn't matter. You can jump between that as well. Well, and this is one of those things that Star Trek is used interchangeably. Uh, we talked about this on, on Trek Geeks with Dr. Aaron McDonald. Who, uh, who serves as a science consultant to, to the Star Trek series now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a fascinating aspect. I would love to know more about that. Perhaps there will be some novels about the temporal accords and the events leading up to it. But uh, seeing that TNG season one and two uniform uh, oh God, immediately show up as a hologram, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie, that was pretty cool. It was awesome. And it was on a Uridian of all things, which at the time of TNG wasn't a member of the Federation to my knowledge. They were like, pirates and stuff like that. So um, I got to ask you this, Sarah. I am of the belief that Kovic is somewhat of a Section 31 type person of the 32nd, is it 32nd century? 
I think. Um, yeah. I kind of have that. I kind of have that vibe with him. I mean, he's he's kind of reminding me of a thirty second century Men in Black with the outfit he wears and that clip on tie, and he has all this secret information. Do you think he could be related to Section Thirty One if there is a Section Thirty One that far in the future? I think I. I would be surprised if there was a Section 31 that far into the future, but I could see it having evolved into something else or into, you know, different fingers of, of that type of thing. And he does have that kind of, you know, air about him where he could be involved in something more than what we think at this point. I, I definitely feel that there would be a, a need for that, especially it's with amazing. Starfleet being as it is. Absolutely. Um, It's amazing that he has so much vast knowledge about the mirror universe. That's something that strikes me as very interesting. Yeah, maybe he's like an android or something. And we're going to have some big reveal like in an alien movie. Who knows? Maybe that's my seeing this in the future. I don't know. That's a bad idea. Maybe he's from the mirror universe. Maybe he is. Maybe we don't he's know that. A completely other thing. That's right. Yeah. And him and Archer are going to be quantum leaping all over the place. There we go. I actually, <laughs> I, I'm glad you brought that up. I saw somebody on Twitter this weekend post a picture of Kovic and next to him, future guy shrouded in that shadow from Enterprise saying, please, please, please. I don't know if it's, I don't oh. think it's going to be, but, but. There's been weirder things that have happened. Brandon Braga has said on multiple occasions the future guy was Archer, and if Enterprise had had a fifth season, that would have been revealed. So future guy, sorry folks, not Kovic. <laughs> um, do you think, uh, I, I had a, tra- a train of thought that I completely forgot. Um, uh, it had to do with, Bill, you brought it up a second ago. We see your Uridian in a season one jumpsuit with a TNG badge, and we're t- we're thinking about the Kelvin timeline. So that timeline has progressed up to TNG time. There's been speculation on whether or not the next movie, if there is a next movie, might get rid of the Kelvin timeline. But I thought it was very interesting that they're still pulling little bits of different series into Discovery the way they are in ways that it really works. I agree with you. It's, you know, we've we've had at least three or four references to other series just in the past couple of episodes alone. Mm-hmm. Um, every time they reference the Bajoran market, you instantly have a deep, deep Space Nine call out simply because the Bajorans were a central figure there. Now you get, you know, TNG season one and everything's on the table now that they're this far into the future. This is all Federation history and um, it's still kind of cool to see. I'm not going to lie. It's very cool. Um, But what was even cooler was when they finally decide that they're going to head to this planet because that's what the computer says to do. The computer slash evolving life form, whatever it is that you want to say about it says uh, they need to go to this planet. They have no idea why. There's nothing really down there. And then all of a sudden, some guy from CSI shows up sitting in a chair next to a door. Sarah, <laughs> I know. what's up with that? He got off of Air Force One and he showed up on the planet. <laughs> 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 Love that guy. He's great. As soon as I saw him, I was like, yeah, another person added to the world of Trek. This is fantastic. We've been blessed so much this season of Discovery with great guest stars. I'm all about yeah, it. We- we, yeah, we really have. And, and it was really interesting. First of all, I, I think I jumped ahead a little bit. Let me back up a little bit. I found it very interesting in Giorgio's um, scene in the mess hall. And I'm going to talk about this later on during the humanity segment. But that scene with her and Tilly was really something. Tilly just goes out of her way to try to help people. And Giorgio shows why she is a mirror universe uh, example of perfection in her reaction, Bill. Well, she doesn't, she doesn't, because um, 
Giorgio has learned a lot in her time in Discovery, and I'm actually going to talk about this later myself. Um, I think a lot of what Giorgio was putting up is the front that she is, this badass empress um, who will kill you just as soon as she looks at you. Um, but I think that she's evolved, and I think that she's changed, and I think her time with this crew has taught her a great deal about humanity. As much as people don't want to admit it or believe it in this fandom, I think that that's true. I, I agree with you. I think that w- what we have seen, I've been complaining about how, last week specifically, I was complaining about how much of a pain in the butt she was. And it was starting to get a little bit boring because it's been the same thing week after week. It's more of a defense mechanism. And I agree mm-hmm. with what you just said about that. Sarah, you, are, you along, are, are you along the same boat with us with that? Or do you think she's just being Philippa? I think that she's changed a lot by being in the uh, universe that she's been in. And I think it was something that if she never came over, she'd still be the ruthless woman that she was. But something's hit her that she wasn't expecting. And, you know, it's nice to be nice. Maybe I kind of like hanging out here for a little bit. I think it's going to have a huge effect on her. It kind of reminds me of the end of Mirror Mirror from the original series, you know, where... uh, prime Captain Kirk tells mirror Mr. Spock, you know, be that man who can make a difference because one person can make a difference. And I think that Philippa Giorgio is softening to the point where she could be the person that makes that difference. And we see some of that ticking around in her head in this episode. I agree 100%. Uh, You can see the wheels turning in her head and you can see it in her eyes actually too. So that's just a great performance uh, by Michelle. So they beam down to Danis 5 and any planet that has the word Dan in it, you know there's going to be a cure, right, Bill? You know, it's a winter hellhole. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so they're 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 going around and the conversation between michael and 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 um philippa is very interesting as it always is and then this guy shows up with this door and i gotta say at first i'm like this is just it, it seems a little too convenient that all of a sudden this person shows up is this q Sarah? That was I'm totally what I was going to say. I'm throwing it out there. I'm, I'm feel saying it. Insane, but what the is. heck Carl is going is on? Carl is Q. It's Carl spelt with a Q. <laughs> <laughs> Quarrel. 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 I, I, I see it. If, if somebody was to come and say that he's a Q, I'd be like, I, I get it. Like, well played. I see it. But he could also be something that was cooked up by our Section 31 possible dude to make this happen because he's the only one who knows as much as he does about the other universe i don't know it's a great little it was a weird little scene i liked it they throw curveballs at us all the time bill what are you thinking um i think there are enough clues and easter eggs in that particular scene to tell us that carl is a guardian of forever as uh as referenced in the uh, the original series episode the city on the edge of forever i don't know if he's the guardian of forever but uh, it was um in harlan ellison's original um draft of of that episode uh they were the guardians of forever and there was a group of them and i think it was adapted that way in the comic book as well that came out several years ago and i I think that this could be one of those types of individuals um i think that we what i think what discovery has done in this episode is great they've taken a show that has mega action and and just beautiful visuals and they've introduced a very simplistic heady sci-fi moment in this that rivals some of the original series they show up on a planet there's nothing there and then all of a sudden there's a dude with a door <laughs> um some of the best star trek episodes have started off in kind of that way and yeah. um when i saw that i was like oh this is really cool um i i loved it i'm here for it i can't wait to see what happens in part two 
the humor from Carl is is pretty awesome. Also, dad jokes, I'm at, dad jokes. I'm at, yeah, exactly. I'm actually going to get into um, more of Carl in the long range scan, but brilliantly portrayed by uh, Paul Gilfoyle. I just think he's great in this mm-hmm. CSI. He was good um, until he went bad, uh, but I absolutely thought he was great. And having, I don't know, I don't know what it was having it on a snowy planet really added another layer for me. I don't know why, because that's silly. It's just snow, but I thought it was great. Sarah, Mm -hmm. you're from Canada, right? (laughs) We we don't get snow here. Everyone's... I want an island. It's like... It's bringing... Oh, that's true. That's right. We get snow here, and then you crash into houses, but that's just me. Um, So... So she walks through the door. She finally walks through the door after she has a couple other spiky moments where her skin goes a little crazy. And all of a sudden... She is the Empress again, and she is on Discovery with Captain Killy, and it is back in time to the day before the Charon is christened, and we get to return to this universe. And and Bill, I got to say, I think this portrayal of the Mirror Universe is unlike anything we have ever seen in the original series and Deep Space Nine, previous versions of Discovery. This is the Mirror Universe, and it is pretty damn scary and ruthless yeah it really is i think it really demonstrates better than tos exactly how brutal it is you know it's it you see it, there's only so much they could show on television in the 60s right and then in deep space nine it was a different kind of story they were looking to tell mm-hmm. in this case i mean you get to see the mirror universe in all its glory including mirror michael burnham who we didn't get to see in season one because it was our michael burnham you know, pretending to be a mirror universe person. So uh, I, I thought that it was a great contrast to what we see today and the humanity and the crew that we've come to appreciate and love. And uh, I, I tell you what, I, I really think this script nailed it. It really did. And Sarah, I'm going to ask you a question. The answer is no for me, but I just want to get your take on it also. We've seen the mirror universe a lot. We saw it in the original series. Like I said, we saw it in four or five episodes in Deep Space Nine. We saw a whole bunch of episodes in the first season of Discovery. And now we're back again. Do you think that the writers are going to the Mirror Universe well too much? Or do you think with what they've shown us just this week, it's exactly what is needed for our belief in what the Mirror Universe is all about? Um, uh, I don't think it's too much. Um, and that comes from somebody who hasn't watched the original series and I've only seen DS9 once and I've never watched all of Enterprise. So it's new to me in a way. And I love it. I think it challenges the characters. I think it challenges the actors, the writers. It's, I think my best way to sum it up is I hate to love it and I love to hate it. It's a horrifying, horrible place, and I want to see more. Yeah. So it really is. What does that say? I, mean. <laughs> I think that we're all we all go a little crazy sometimes. Yeah. Um, and Bill, of course, I didn't mention Enterprise, and Sarah just mentioned Enterprise, and that's I think where we really got a sense of how brutal the Mirror Universe really could be when it was when um, in a Mirror Darkly uh, was shown. But this one takes it to a new level, and you talked about her already. I gotta say. Michael Burnham in the Mirror Universe is a complete psychopath. And yeah. and the portrayal that Sonequa gives this character, the wild eyes, the twitching mouth, and, and just the, the way that she acts and treats Kelpians or uh, 
and how she seems to be enjoying the fact that people in the in in the bar are playing games that cause pain. It looked like they had agonizer, like they were having an agonizer arm wrestling yeah. match or something yeah. at one point. It's just it's just awesome, isn't it? It it truly is. You know, Sinequa Martin Green delivers two separate and distinct you know performances. They're obviously based in the same character, but two completely different people. And both of them are flawless. In one, you see the sheer humanity, you know, the, the sheer Starfleet qualities of this person. And in the other, you see the complete and utter ruthlessness and the, uh, you know, the psychopathic tendencies that you, you talk about, Dan, and just her willingness to do whatever it takes to get what she wants. And it, the contrast is just, is truly beautiful. Sir, do you think that when you see how crazy Michael seems to be in the mirror universe. And then you look at how Philip is now. Does that make you a little worried about f- the way Philip might have been before this crossover into the prime universe? Because I mean, Michael goes out on a limb to, sh- to, to talk about how it seems that Giorgio has become soft. I'd hate to see what Philip was like before the jump to the prime universe, just based on the performance we saw from Sonequa as Mary Universe Michael? Um, I don't think that there was anything about Philippa that we haven't seen. I think there's different ways that you can be evil. And you can be evil so casually and so subtly, or you could be like Michael Burnham, and it's just obvious in your face. I mean, study any number of serial killers, and you can see the difference between you know, the the types of psychopathy versus sociopathy that's out there. Um, she took Michael Burnham on when she was young and was already in the mindset of being a little psychopath. And she was able to manage it this far. I don't think that says much about... Yeah, I think Philip has been just dominating naturally. And Michael's trying too hard in a way. Yeah, and I think we get a good sense of what Philippa or Emperor Giorgio, the real Emperor Giorgio, was really like in season one. You know, her sort of measured, very reasoned um, murderous streak, you know, where she kills an entire room of her advisors without even thinking about it, without even batting an eye, where she serves Kelpian just because. Um, Yeah, (laughs) it's a little chewy. But um, I, I think that it's easy to see the difference because this Giorgio does... You know, our Giorgio now, because I mean, mm-hmm. she's ours, pauses more. She thinks about things, and that does strike the other mirror universe folks as weakness, and I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was also great to see all of our regular crew members be able to come out of their shell. Like we've talked about another episode, another Star Trek series, um, the, the Culbers and the Stamets and the Detmers. She's badass in the mirror universe. Um, they look fantastic. I love the uniforms of the mirror universe. I, I really, really love what they have done in this episode to really cement my love for the Mirror Universe. Last question. Start with Sarah. Do you want to see Lorca? Because it was an awesome revelation that Michael and Lorca were a thing. She knows about the plot that Lorca was doing back in season one. What a what an awesome guest appearance that would be if that happens in the coming episodes. <laughs> if you're asking me if I want to see Jason Isaacs, the question to that, <laughs> the answer is always yes. Like, I don't care. <laughs> Bring him on. I, yeah, that would be awesome. As soon as that name was dropped, I was, yeah. I was perking up and I'm thinking, there's a story to tell there. I know there's a story to tell there. Let's see it. Think it'll happen, Bill? I don't. Um, ah. Because ah. I think that... I, I th- Get him out of here. 
if they, and I only say that because I think we would have had some sense that Jason Isaacs had been in Toronto filming. Um, I, I, that's the only reason why I say I don't think it's going to happen. Do I wish it would? Yes. Although I would point out, we already kind of knew that Mirror Burnham and Mirror Lorca were an item mm. from season one. That's right. I'd, I'd, I've forgotten about that. That's right. Absolutely um, correct. But I, I, as much as I, th- as I wish we'll see him, I'm not sure that we will simply because, well, I mean, in season one, they, they couldn't keep the secret that, that Ash Tyler and Voke were the same person. <laughs> I knew you were going to say I that. have a hard time believing that they were going to keep under wraps the fact that um, Jason Isaacs was going to show up on set in Toronto and nobody would see it. I did find it interesting, though, that somebody in a recent interview was asking him about that if he was going to return and he kept pleading the fifth. So it wasn't a yes, it wasn't a Oh, no. I think he's a, being a pro, <laughs> you know? Because if he says no, I yeah. mean, and if he says yes, either way, it's it, it's the wrong answer for somebody. Right. Well, I'll tell you what. It, it was great to return to the Mirror Universe. The way that this ended uh, sets up just for some amazing things to happen next week, and I cannot wait to see what's up next in this Mirror Universe. Great discussion. As always, friends, loved it. Well, once again, we've reached that moment of discovering Trek where we take a moment to pause and reflect on those we have lost in this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery. It's the somber and reflective part of our show, but we feel it's the least we can do for those who have paid the ultimate price. We like to call it the Red Shirt Roll Call. He's dead, Jim. 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 So, Bill, here we are on the Red Shirt Roll Call, and I got to say, we're going to turn it on its ear this week, aren't we? Well, you know, we really are, because this week, Dan, the Red Shirt Roll Call is what we're saying goodbye to. You know, it seemed to fit in earlier seasons of Discovery when they were at war with the Klingons and then at war with Section 31 and Control. But now that they're in the future and they're ready to help the Federation, it seems fitting to retire the Red Shirt Roll Call and focus on the more positive aspects of the season. So Red Shirt Roll Call, we bid you adieu. Absolutely. And it's kind of funny that we do it this week when so many people in the Mirror Universe died. But <laughs> no, we're not going to worry about that because you're right. We're going to focus on the positive. They've jumped to the future. They saved the every living life form in, in the known galaxy. Um, so, so we're saying goodbye to it. But I'm going to drink anyway. Um, because that's kind of what I do. I'm going to raise a glass to the red shirt roll call uh, in this week's red shirt roll call. Anyway, um, right now, though, it's time to welcome a new segment to Discovering Trek. It's Sarah's Question Corner. A question. Since before your son burned hot in space and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. So we want to welcome the newest segment on Discovering Trek. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Sarah hit us up with a surprise question, and we thought it was just so great that we felt it deserved its own special segment. Plus, who doesn't like hearing from the Guardian, right? <laughs> so, Sarah, it is all yours. Oh, boy. I have power. I like you this. You no do. pressure. Just, no pressure. Let me just stop and just, let's all take a moment and just enjoy this. Mm. Let's bask in your glow. (laughs) Okay, so my question today is a little bit of a deeper question, and I'm really excited to hear both of your answers. And it stems from an area of the episode that, Dan, you really had a lot to think about, and it brought out the conversation early on when we have Giorgio in the mess hall with her uh, disappearing, reappearing hand magic there in Tilly. Mm -hmm. 
to me, the scene was a very good example of uh, nobody likes a bully. And that's exactly what Georgia was being in that scene. What would you have done if you witnessed that and you were sitting in that mess hall and you know those two people? Would you have said something or would you have ignored it? And on top of that, is this something that you would have dealt with earlier? Because this day and age in your workplace and you have people with that attitude or bullies like that, you try to address it. And interesting. Um, that's a very good question. I got to say my, the way that I am, I, I would have said something. I can't just sit back and watch something like that happening, especially to a, to, to a coworker who I respect. And if I was working with Tilly, I certainly would respect her regardless of the rank. I would definitely have done something, even knowing that, for all intents and purposes, Giorgio could pull a dagger out of her pocket and stab me with it. Uh, you just never know. She could do something like that. She, she's mirror universe. Um, but I, 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 I can't stand seeing that type of behavior from people. I see we see it far too often. Um, I've, I've, could possibly have gotten myself in some in some dangerous situations in my life because I've said something when I've noticed something ridiculous like that happening, whether it be at a grocery store or in a parking lot or something like that. And I've been, I've been told, you need to bite your tongue a little bit better. And I've gotten in trouble for not biting my tongue in the past, but it's just part of my nature. So I think I would definitely uh, have said something. Bill? I, I, I'm not, I don't know. I, um, because, you know, I weighed against a couple of things. First, Tilly's the first officer. You know, and if I'm part of the crew and I'm going to respect the chain of command, regardless of whether she's an ensign or not, um, she's the second in command on the ship. So if I do something, it potentially usurps her role as first officer and puts her in a bad place. But like you, Dan, I would want to step in and go, what the hell do you think you're doing? Yeah. Um, and even Michael doesn't necessarily challenge her in that scene. Um, you know, she, she says something, but not to the level of, Hey, cut that out. But I, I, I would want to, but I'd be concerned. Then you bring up the very real possibility that, you know, Giorgio could just stab me. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's always a wild card with her because she is putting, you know, as much as she is adapting to living in the prime, our, our prime universe, she still is from a place where they are very ruthless and bloodthirsty and they will kill you for no reason. So I got to say, I, I don't know. I'm almost erring on the side of no, I might not say anything. Yeah. Uh, let me add to what I said, because you brought up a good point. I've never been in the military. Same uh, I do respect chain of command, however. So I would say that, let me amend my answer. A, a slight, I would still say something. I'd be like, and I'd be mouthing it in words that we can't really use on Discovering Trek, but I'd be right up. But as soon as First Officer Tilly said, stand down, I would be done. So I would respect that chain of command because I think that's extremely important. But I, I just can't – I'm just not the type of person that can sit and watch something like that happening to someone, especially when all they're trying to do is help, Sarah. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. It's that that's off, a good question. That yeah, it's a great question. Thank you. It kind of came to me as like a – what would you do? Because I asked myself that too, you know? What, what would you do? do? Oh, let's, yeah, exactly. Let's yeah. throw it back at you. Well, you know, I think about real life scenarios when things pop up and you don't know how you're going to react until you react. Um, you know, as a woman, it's a very different. If, if it's a man that's causing problems, I'm not going to say anything because I don't feel safe. You don't know how people yes. are going to react and I wouldn't stand a chance with my bad back. I would not be able to protect myself. <laughs> a woman is different. And I think that I wouldn't have said anything there, but I would have said something 
previous to that day. As soon as she came on the ship, not in front of people, but I'd be over there at her quarters with a bottle of wine being like, look, lady, but I wouldn't have said a different word. And I've been like, we need to talk about how you're behaving. Have some wine. We're going to clear this up. Lock it up. <laughs> you're on my ship now. <laughs> you to be nicer. <laughs> it's nice to be nice. You'll have more fun. And, but it's just, yeah, it, but being in there, I don't know if I, it's ugh, those awkward moments, man. They're, it's a real yeah. test of character, I think. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and I apologize. Can you repeat to me that second part of your question that you had? Uh, can I? Can you repeat that one again? I don't think I answered it, so I just want to make sure that I oh, gosh. understand what Do the I second remember part of the question was? was. See, now I have to make you think about it, don't I? Well, it, yeah, I think I was just trying to reword it just to make sure that I okay. made sense of it. But the question was, was, if you were sitting there having your lunch and you saw that happen, yeah. would you have reacted or would you have even let it have gotten to that point as in would somebody have said something to Giorgio previously? Because she's been on the ship for a while mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's been like it, that. So, Isn't it sad that we see that too often in today's world? Mm-hmm. We'll see a situation going mm-hmm. on that really somebody should get involved with mm-hmm. and too many people just walk by. All the time. And, and just yeah. ignore it and uh, pretend it's not happening. Especially and, right now yeah. with people yeah. and yelling at people about masks or no masks, mm-hmm. color of skin, religious choice. It's, it's rampant. Everywhere. Yeah. It's gross. Absolutely. Yeah. Excellent, excellent first uh, Sarah's Question Corner. Loved it. Yay! So, folks, we want to take a moment to thank Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Fansets has been hard at work to release a whole bunch of new pins just in time for the holiday season. They also want to take a moment to thank each and every one of their customers and wish them all a very safe and happy holiday season. They truly appreciate all of your support and business. As the holiday season draws closer, Fansets has released a bunch of pins for the month of November, including Seven of Nine from Star Trek Voyager in her brown uniform, a bearded Commander Riker from Star Trek The Next Generation, two different badgy pins from Star Trek Lower Decks, one happy and one murderous, kind of look like the look that Dan is giving me right now, and of course, also from Star Trek Lower Decks, the USS Cerritos ship pin. So... Now, we also hope you're able to place your order for the 2020 holiday pin featuring Badgie and his Santa hat, because we actually just received word that this pin sold out in record time. It's unbelievable. Now, one of the newest pins that I am very excited about is the USS Cerritos bar logo pin from Star Trek Lower Decks. This pin is going to be dropping in just a couple of days on December 15th, 2020. So make sure you get yours because I have a feeling this one's going to sell out quickly as well. Also available on December 15th is the brand new Picard Season 1 pin. This one is gorgeous. And if past seasons of Star Trek are any indication, we think you can look for Picard episode pins sometime in the near future, Dan. Just saying. Yeah, I, that would be awesome. Uh, more, I need more walls for all my pins. <laughs> yes, you it's do. unbelievable. They're awesome. All the pins are absolutely amazing. And also, friends, Fansets is happy to announce that the Voyager 25 Special Collector Set is now shipping for reserve numbers and pre-order customers. This one's going to look amazing on the wall that I was just talking about that I'm very quickly running out of space on. Uh, and it's a great way to commemorate and celebrate Voyager 20, Voyager's 25th anniversary. And as always, friends, we want you to save money at Fansets.com just for being a Discovering Trek listener. 
So when you've put all those pins and accessories and gift cards into your cart, enter the special code word DISCOVERINGTREK at checkout. You do that and you're going to get an amazing 15% off your entire order. And don't forget that if you're in the United States and spend more than $30, you're also going to get free shipping. Now, you know, last week we said we were going to give away two classic Discovery Delta pins from Fansets. And now we want to take a moment to congratulate our winners who were selected in a random drawing. At first, there's Evan1701 on Twitter who retweeted last week's episode with the comment, I love the sense of hope, optimism, and wonder that season three of Star Trek Discovery has been giving me best Trek ever, end quote. Well, congrats, Evan. We'll be getting in touch with you via Twitter DM to get your shipping info. And also congratulations to Emily, whose handle is Edge of There. Emily commented, Discovery is a show that constantly surprises me. This podcast is great, end quote. And no, we didn't solicit that comment. (laughs) So thanks, Emily. We're going to be sending you a a DM on Twitter as well to get your shipping info. Now, next week, we're going to be giving away two more classic Discovery Deltas from Fansets. If you didn't win this week and you're in the United States, you'll get another chance. So find this episode, which will be pinned to our Twitter page, retweet it with who you think Carl is and use the hashtag DiscoFansets to be eligible. Fansets, our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Of all the souls I have encountered in my travels, his was the most human. Star Trek has always been a reflection of our times, and in this segment, we take a look at what this episode helps us to discover about our humanity, or perhaps even what it tells us about ourselves. And Sarah, um, lots going on in this episode. We've talked about a lot of things that may actually show up here in the humanity segment, so what did you have for this week? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I was struggling a little bit with the sensor analysis, but I reread what you wrote and how you want to discuss parts in this segment and taking a look at how it helps us with discovering things about humanity or what it tells us about ourselves. So the only thing I could think of while watching this, other than holy F, this show is amazing, is the way Jojo uses her nastiness to bring out strength almost in others. She wants us to think she doesn't care, that she's ruthless and not one to show sentiment or weakness, but there are hints. She's cruel, and I know I think her methods are a good idea, but she pushes people. She pushes Tilly to be braver in a way. She even somewhat admitted that when she was saying her goodbyes to Giorgio and gave her a hug. And I thought for sure, for sure, she was going to tell Saru and the Terran universe that there is more to his species than he knows. And I think that that could still happen. But I love a bad guy. And I believe it's because I haven't had to deal with a lot of bad guys in my real life. Giorgio's a bully. She's a killer. But I like her. Why do I like her? Why do I cheer for her? What does that say about me or about other fans of the character? Do I covet her strength? Do I wish I installed fear in people? Maybe a little. But why? Why do people desire power and respect over everything else sometimes? And that's kind of what her character makes me think about a lot when I watch her and I'm loving every second of it. It's interesting because um, that scene for me was what I focused my uh, humanity segment on. It's a disturbing yet wonderful scene. It's a very quick scene. It's only a couple of minutes long. Um, it, but it struck me deeply. George O was in the mess hall at a table by herself and suffering from the effects of her molecular time universe sickness until he comes along and tries to offer support. She said similarly to Kirk, uh, or what Kirk said in The City on the Edge of Forever, let us help. And in true mirror universe form, she was rude, 
She was evil. She was contemptful. And she was vicious. She was Philippa Giorgio of of, uh, the Mirror Universe. Still, Tilly didn't stop. She wanted to help because that's what humans of this universe do. Philippa was even worse, dumping food on Tilly's uniform. This scene showed me two things. One, people in our universe today can be just as disgusting and evil and abhorrent as Philippa of the Mirror Universe is. I think Philippa uses it as a defense mechanism most of the time, but it doesn't take away the fact that she is just horrible to people. And even if she's trying to do what Sarah talked about in her in her segment, it's just still wrong. And two, along with the awful people in the world today, there are folks like Tilly who always show why the good in people will always win out. We want to help no matter how awful the recipient of that offer of help is. We even see Tilly hug Giorgio later on when everyone thinks it's the last time that they're going to see her. We need that today more than ever. We see it in first responders who risk their lives to save people. Even when those people are idiots and think that a pandemic is fake or that they don't believe in the science. Bravo to Sylvia Tilly for showing that even when when faced with insults, threats, and cowardice, you still shine and show that you're there to help, Bill. You know, I've seen a lot of chatter this week about Philippa Giorgio and the prospect of her redemption. Some fans believe that a character that has committed genocide and has been an evil tyrant aren't characters that are remotely redeemable in any way. Well, I mean, Khan Noonien Singh was a 20th century tyrant who ruled a quarter of the earth during the eugenics war. He tried to steal the Enterprise and murder Kirk, and instead of being locked away forever, as he should have been, he was given a planet to tame and make his own. Or there's Kor, a ruthless Klingon warrior who ordered the execution of Organians in the original series. But by the end of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, he was a respected figure and a quote-unquote notable warrior by the time that character made his last appearance in that series. Star Trek has a history of redemption, and particularly for those who are probably the least worthy. Considering whether Philippa Giorgio has evolved forces me to look at my own thinking on people who strive to be redeemed. The fact is, this Giorgio has changed. She's evolved. While she puts up a great front that she seems ruthless, she's become anything but. We think we know what she's about and that she can't change, but we only see what she wants us to see. Imagine how much farther she might have come if she had only let her guard down a little more, but then isn't that true of us as well? Compassion and understanding is powerful, and perhaps we could all demonstrate a little more of it for others before we hope we can be on the receiving end ourselves. Does Philippa Giorgio deserve redemption? I don't know. But I do know that she's not who she was at the beginning of this journey. But then, who among us is? Commendations, palm leaf of Axanar Peace Mission, Grand Kite Order of Tactics, Class of Excellence, Frenteris Ribbon of Commendation. All right, so some serious, serious discussion there. Two great segments. Thanks, guys. I really appreciated your um, your comments in the humanity section. So now let's have some fun and talk about Starfleet commendations because they're awards that don't mean anything. Yeah, we give them out every week. Woo-hoo. So uh, why not? Um, it's the time to uh, tell us what or what or who you uh, would give your Starfleet commendation to this week. And uh, Bill, let's start with you, buddy. Oh, excellent. Well, first up, I have to, I have to give a commendation to Bowie and Erica and Alan. Um, 
the writers of this particular episode, Bowie and Erica have written some of my favorite installments of the series. And uh, Alan's work is work that I've come to appreciate uh, a great deal as well. This story is one that had me engaged from start to finish. Uh, we have a mirror universe story and we have some heady sci-fi and I think it all comes together very well in part one. Can't wait to see what part two is like. Uh, secondly, my queen, Michelle Yeoh. I love seeing the uncertainty and the texture of Emperor Giorgio back in the mirror universe. It's undeniable that she has changed, that her time on Discovery has impacted her. And, and now it's that, you know, we get to see the start of that, which I think is, is fantastic. And then lastly, I mean, I feel like uh, she's come up more weeks than not for me, Sonequa Martin-Green. We get two incredibly different versions of Michael Burnham this week, and they are both portrayed beautifully by Sonequa. I continue to be a huge fan of her performances, and I love the contrast between these very two obviously different Michaels. Sarah, what you got? I am going to copy everything Bill just did. <laughs> uh, especially when it comes to Sneakwa Martin Green. Um, she, to me, is this little acting onion with layers upon layers because I am a huge, as I've said before, a huge fan of The Walking Dead. It's a show that I know just as much as I know a Star Trek. And the the depth in that show was outrageous. I mean, she would take the pure sadness and loss to pure anger, to hate, to just numb. And she was amazing. And then to see this range, this the psychopath that I've never seen her do. I was blown away. She was captivating and absolutely, I want more of that. That was great. And Michelle Yeoh. I mean, she's, how lucky are we to have her? Yeah. She's amazing. Absolutely. I just captivated from start to finish. Love those subtle, those, you feel like as a viewer, you're, you know, something that they don't know on that show because you're seeing these changes. Um, and lastly, the dude from CSI and Air Force One, Carl, who are you? Love you. <laughs> I, I, great. Just great to have um, a familiar face pop up. No complaints. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great choices. And I got to say, mine are exactly the same as Bill's. Uh, I got to say, Bowie and Erica, um, I'll get to Alan in a second, but Bowie and Erica, what they do in Star Trek is just absolutely unbelievable i remember last season when uh the the episode where we saw captain pike's um injuries when he was uh on the cadet starship which caused him to be in the chair that was one of the most intense moments in my star trek life and i was so um i i was just i just could not believe the story that they brought us then and now we have this Bowie and Erica have done such a great job with what they have done in Star Trek in the writing and Alan's contributions to this week's episode. It just brought me back to that universe that I love so much and they did it in a way that it wasn't just a return to the mirror universe so we can see how evil everybody is. This had substance. This had meaning and I think it really, really worked. Also got to give a shout out to Michelle Yeoh. This is, I got to say, I love Michelle. I love Philippa. But this is the first time in like a year that I've really loved what we've seen in Giorgio. At the beginning of the episode, she was the same old Philippa that I was complaining about last week about always it was getting kind of boring seeing her continually insult and 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 threaten. Um even when she was on the planet with Carl, she she was 
she was the same, but then she started to show the cracks and you could see it in her eyes. You could see the wheels turning. And when she returned to the mirror universe, you could definitely see the changes that had taken hold of her while she was in the prime universe. And Michelle did a fantastic job with that change. And as with both of you, Sonequa Martin-Green, she shined in this episode. It was so amazing to see a character, an actor playing the same character, but in such different presentations. You see Prime uh, Burnham um, struggling with keeping it together to make sure that Philippa isn't going off the rails. And I got to say, the, the scene in the gym where they fought it out was really great. That was something we hadn't really talked about yet. But then... We saw this mirror universe, Michael, and she was nuts. You could see it in her eyes. She played a great, crazy person, if that makes any sense. The wild eyes, the quivering mouth, which I talked about earlier. Sinequa never ceases to amaze me, and I I can't wait to see what comes up in, uh, in, the, in part two of this episode, because I think it's going to be even better. Long-range scan of planet complete. So every episode, we like to take a good long look into the Bajoran orb of prophecy and try to determine what the future will hold for the crew of the USS Discovery. We're usually wrong, as uh, we found out this week, um, but every now and then we get one right. So what's next up for Discovery, people? And uh, Sarah, let's start with you. What's on your long-range scan? Well, I hinted at it earlier, and I really feel like something epic is going to happen in that Terran universe, and I think it's going to be Kelpian-led. I feel as though there's going to be something that is shared with Saru. She saved him from being butchered, and I don't know. I just feel like there's something potentially epic to to build there, and I, I don't know. Knowing there's only a few episodes left in this season, and we don't know how long they're going to be in the future versus this versus that, I... I got so many things I want to see, but I don't know what's realistic for time. Okay. Well, for me, I got to say, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but this is, this is something that this just, oh God, I feel this so strongly. Carl is the guardian of forever. I really, really believe that. Two reasons. One, Carl's fixated on questions. He makes a point to talk about that a couple of times when he's talking with Burnham and Philippa. The guardian... Uh, as we heard on Sarah's Questions Corner, was fixated on questions back in TOS. But the big reason I think that it's the Guardian, that Carl's the Guardian forever, is because when you look closely, the newspaper he was reading from about the death of Giorgio was called the Star Dispatch. And that just happens to be the same newspaper that was talking about Edith Keeler in the changed past on City of the Edge of Forever. Now, for me, that is way too much of a coincidence to be a coincidence. And I got to say it, I don't think I have ever wanted to be so right about a long-range scan as I am with this one. I think that bringing in either the Guardian of Forever or a Guardian of Forever would be just an amazing Call back to an all-time classic, Bill. This is your weakest long-range skin ever. You're just you're just looking to run up the score. <laughs> Ooh. All of wow. fandom knows that it's probably the Guardian of Forever. Ouch! Well, I talked about Q, and every, some people seem to be all right with that, dude. <laughs> I haven't seen yeah. that episode, so I'm lost. <laughs> a big, big stretch there. No, I, I, that's a great long range scan, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out because we've only got about four episodes left in this season of Star Trek Discovery. Um, hard to believe 19 straight weeks we've been doing this, by the way. Yeah, uh, but I'm gonna say that Michael Burnham is gonna wind up as captain of the Discovery by next season. 
Somehow I think Saru is going to not be the captain by the end of season three. Don't know how, don't know why. I'm just kind of getting the sense that there may be something that calls him away from the ship. Hmm. Could have to do with the Kelpians, but I think Michael Burnham is going to get elevated to captain. Hmm. Let, let me ask you this. One of the things, and this, this ties into long range scans because what you were, what you said last week. So I figure I can bring it in here. Every, because of what you said, Bill, last week, damn you, that Vance, you think in the, your long range scan could be the head of the Emerald chain. Every, every for, for the moments that he was on screen this week, that's all I could think. And I'm like, oh my God, Bill's going to be right. He's going to be a bad moral. I'm going to be devastated. I just want to throw that out there for you. You're welcome. That's me living rent-free in your head. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you said, I cannot believe we only have a few episodes left no. in the season because it's been an incredible season. It has flown by. Sarah, of course, next week, um, Casey will be here in your place as we alternate between the two of you for the season. So what do we have coming up next week? Week, Jarjo uncovers the true depths of the plot against her, leading her to a revelation about how deeply her time on the USS Discovery truly changed her. It's Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 10, Terra Firma Part 2. Until then, remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or by heading to discoveringtrek.com. If you enjoy what we're doing here on Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, please consider supporting us on Patreon. As a subscriber, you can get access to unedited recordings of episodes, as well as exclusive content and great subscriber rewards, like our annual supporters pin from our friends at Fansets and our exclusive Trek Geeks Podcast Network t-shirt, among some other fine stuff we have going on. We'd like to take a moment to recognize the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek, and we are so truly thankful for their support. Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Ken Bird, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Craig Ewing, Al Godwin, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Tony Lambast, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Casey Shafsky, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. If you would like to become a producer of Discovering Trek or even get access to the raw audio for Discovering Trek episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Sarah, great to have you back this week on Discovering Trek. And uh, I know that people can hear your dulcet tones on another podcast here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Where might they find you? You speak the truth. That would be <laughs> Trek Rewind. And you can find us on Twitter at Trek Rewind. Wow, what? that's funny how that goes like that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Hey, Bill, what about you, pal? My dulcet tones can also be found on another podcast on this network. It's called Trek Geeks. Um, <laughs> it's kind of the one the network's named after. And I work with some guy that is really just abominable. Um, but on Twitter, you can find me at Trek Geek Bill. That was quick. <laughs> Thank you. Abominable. Yeah. I like, I like the abominable and the, the Rudolph the Red Nose. Well, you know, Bumble's here. Bounce. Uh, Bumbles bounce, yes, and they don't have teeth after a while. Um, you can find me over at Trek Geek Dan. Uh, you can also find me at Camp Kittimer on Facebook, our wonderful uh, uh, group, which is all positive talk about Star Trek. So check us out over there. And I got to say, what a great discussion. Uh, that just about does it for this week. And Episode 9, Terra Firma, Part 1, The Return to a Vicious Mirror Universe, perhaps an empress that is changing the way she thinks about her life, uh, her Michael, and her empire. Next week is certainly going to be very interesting. 
as always, we want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to us talk about this amazing new chapter in the Star Trek universe each and every week. We wouldn't be here without your support, and we thank you so very much. We'll be back here next week with Casey Shasky to discuss Terra Firma Part 2, and we hope you'll join us. Until then, here are some words of wisdom from Gabrielle Burnham. Duty and joy go hand in hand. Duty is there so you can continue to pursue your happiness, and joy is there so that you have something real to fight for. And until next week, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.